Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Newsweek's Foreign Service. I'm Josh Lowe. And I'm Mirren Gitter. And each week we look at the big stories from the US and what they mean for the rest of the world. So this week, regular listeners might be disappointed to hear that I'm not actually in most of this podcast. <laughs> uh, Mirren is in the podcast and she's been off, um, we thought, because it's the week of Davos, where global elites gather to talk about the problems in the world and how to solve them. We'd run a conversation that Mirren had uh, with someone who knows a lot about some of the world's more troubled regions and has a very inspiring story and a lot of thoughts about how to solve some of those problems. So who have you been talking to, Mirren? Well, so the big reveal is um, that in December, I was in Birmingham, which is um, a city in the West Midlands of England, um, um, to meet with Malala Yousafzai. And it was, you know, such an incredible interview. I think I, I think I can safely say that it was probably the most uh, inspiring interview of, of my career. I mean, she was absolutely fantastic. So Malala is on the cover of our Davos issue, which get your hands on a copy because it also has op-eds in from um, Lauren Bush-Lauren of Feed Projects, of Eric Schmidt of Google... And Antonio Guterres, who's the new Secretary General of the UN. So it's it's a really, really strong issue. But yeah, so, I mean, Malala and I sat down and we basically talked about what's next for Malala because she's 19. I mean, isn't that crazy? Well, yeah, that's the thing, because we remember her as this kind of, uh, well, her, her story is one of sort of the education of female children around the world. She's very much associated as a kind of like young thinker. Um, she's now kind of turning into an adult. Um, what's her kind of next steps? It's really, really sweet because she's she's in her final year of high school. So she she um, was moved back two years uh, when she came to England. So she's preparing for, for university, for college. And it's so funny to hear her talk because she, she was so nervous. Um, she's hoping to go to Oxford, study PPE, philosophy, politics and economics. And she was saying to me, you know, it's the hardest interview she's ever had. And she... Uh, examiners or the interviewers they didn't ask her anything about herself it was all very academic and she's convinced she hasn't got in and it's just like you're Malala of course you've got in you know any university would be so lucky to have you so that's sort of her immediate next steps you know then she's got to look to the future I mean what's her career going to be because she's talked about being you know a politician about continuing her activism being a journalist she's got all these choices at her feet but I think there's also tremendous pressure on her not to make the wrong decision. Look, it sounds pretty interesting. And so I think rather than talk over you and her, we're just going to let her speak for herself. So let's have a listen. This is uh, Mirren talking to Malala. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, Yusuf Sai. First of all, how are A-levels going? Revision for A-levels. A-levels are really hard and this is my Christmas holiday, but I am revising. Yeah. Have you got mocks? Yes, I have mocks straight after the holiday. Okay, so which subjects are you studying? So I'm studying religious studies, economics and maths. Okay. And I I was doing history as well for my AS, but then I dropped history. And I'm continuing economics, maths and religious studies. Yeah, I did economics A-level. It's tough. (laughs) It is really hard. So um, do you know what your plans are for university yet? So I am... I want to study PPE, which is philosophy, politics, and economics. Mm-hmm. And these three subjects really interest me. And that is my university education plan. And I have already applied to universities. And which ones have you applied to? I have applied to Oxford, Warwick, Durham, and London School of Economics. Oh, okay. And yeah. are you, can you say which one's your favorite or which is your first choice? My first choice would be Oxford. Yeah. And I would hear the results in January. In January. So you've had yes. the interview. Yes, I had my interview and I had my uh, thinking skills assessment test. Mm-hmm. It was the hardest test ever in my life. <laughs> and it was the hardest interview ever in my life. Really? Yes. See, I applied to Cambridge and I remember how horrible the interview was. They they didn't ask me anything about like my personal life and my ambitions and like the campaign I do. They didn't, I don't think the interviewers were interested in like the Malala outside. All they were interested in is the subject and they gave me some material to read before and their questions were really, really hard, really extremely hard questions. Yeah. Oh, I just get scared when I think of the interview. Don't want to think back. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm sure you've done better than you think. Let's see what happens. Yeah. I'll hear the results in January. And then what are the plans after university? I know that's a long way away, but is the plan that you would take over the running of the Malala Fund? Because, I mean, I, I know in your book you talked about wanting to be a politician or maybe yeah. a journalist. Uh, I'm not sure. These different ideas and thoughts come to my mind. Like once I wanted to become a lawyer, a doctor, a mechanic, fixing cars, um, an artist and sometimes like I wanted to be a politician and become the Prime Minister of Pakistan. So these ideas are constantly changing, but one thing is very clear and that is campaigning and working for girls' education. And through whichever way I can, I will continue that. I'm not sure what I'll be doing after university. Maybe that um, focus more on the work I do through the Malala Fund, not necessarily becoming its CEO, but 
investing more into that and investing more of my time into that and um, because I, right now I have school study and I have university study after this so after university I would have more time to give and I don't know I'm just thinking and exploring more ideas yeah. meeting people and learning more I think that is what is important right now because I'm having experience going to refugee camps meeting incredible girls and realizing what is the most important um, capital that the Malala Fund have and that is girls voices and girls stories so I'm just exploring and learning new things and I think that is really strengthening me each and every day to realize that there's a lot more we can do and what interests me is obviously we all came to know about you when you were a girl and obviously when you came to the UK you were still a girl and now that we're talking you're you're a woman and you're an adult (laughs) do you feel like an adult now I felt I was a woman when I was 11 and that is when I started speaking out I felt so mature and so grown up in that situation when terrorism started when girls education was banned when I had to talk out in a serious way and it was a serious issue. And once you realize that things are serious and it's not a joke, your education is taken away from you. There are these cruel people who do not want and who do not accept women to be independent, who do not accept women to be educated. That is when life becomes serious. And I I saw so much in my life from that stage onwards that I, I just kept on growing really quickly. And I think I, I just considered myself woman since then well part of that is really admirable and really amazing it's also sad to hear that because it means that you you kind of lost your childhood does that ever make you feel sad that obviously you've had this amazing platform and you've done so much but are you ever just sad for Malala who lost her childhood in the beginning I wasn't really noticing it whether I was losing my childhood or whether I was getting the opportunity to have more fun with friends and live a bit of a normal kind of life Because when you are living at that time when the situation around you is different, you do not realize things then. But now when I am 19 years old and I look back and I wonder like, where was my youth? Where was my childhood? And I think, yes, I do feel that it is different than many other children um, because at 19 years old, many children would not have seen their schools being banned, many children would not have seen uh, terrorists in their life, many children would not have seen campaigning for serious issues and meeting world leaders, but it was a different experience and I think I can look at it in both ways, positive or negative, but overall what I have learned, that is what is more exciting for me, that it was a learning experience, it was an experience where you realize your potential, how important your voice is, how important your work is, and what else you can do for humanity and for the cause you stand for. But have there ever been moments where you wished that it didn't happen and that you were able to have a normal life and to stay in Pakistan? And because, you know, you talk about that in your book as well, having to leave behind your friends. Do you ever just, you know, know, once a month or once a year, just think, I I wish it hadn't have happened? I never wished um, that I wasn't attacked. Well, I like I never think back. I never, I never feel sad that these things happened to me, and I should be now depressed, and I should now. Be sad. I always look forward, and I always think 
forward that whatever has happened that can't change so now let's think about the future and now let's think about what else i can do for girls not just in pakistan but girls globally so always think ahead and when i think about the attack thankfully i don't remember the the incident and i don't remember the what happened to me i was in my school bus talking to my friends and then suddenly i wake up in birmingham in a hospital that is the story i know when i was attacked and what happened to me in in that time i do not remember and when people talk about malala being attacked i just don't feel that was me it just seems like yeah there was a girl she was attacked uh, so to me i feel uh, that that my dream and my ambition which was there when i was only 11 is still alive and that is what i focus on and continue to do wherever i am whatever happens to me i do not mind i stay focused and one thing that strikes me is you're always surrounded by people so you know you've got philippa here from the malala fund and people from the council and so on but it it must them i don't know if there's anyone in the world who has had an experience quite like yours and i just wondered does that ever get lonely being 19 and not having anyone who you can really relate to completely i think i'm um, for like when i hear different celebrity stories or people who are famous when you hear their stories they do say that yes they're feeling alone they're feeling a bit disconnected from the rest of the world but in my case it's different because i do not consider myself that kind of celebrity i stay normal and i talk to people normally and people who are around me are normal and they consider me normal as well so i always have people who are friendly who are nice to me and um and then i have a very nice family like two little brothers who fight with me every day so that just reminds you that you are a normal person and this is a normal family my mother tells me off if my room is messed up it's not clean and i have left things all around and i need to clear things up so things are normal and i just when i'm like at home when i'm at school when i'm doing this campaign i do not think of myself as someone special or someone different or someone who is like out of reach or uh, so when like and and i think that is what makes me happy that i'm closer to people i'm connected to people i can meet people who are in the refugee camps i who i'm speaking for because it's different when you are in the uk in the us and you are speaking out for these issues but you don't really meet the people who you are speaking out for and so all these things just being closer to people being connected to people uh that keeps me normal i totally understand that you're not a celebrity in mm-hmm. in the sense you're not a famous singer or famous actress but do you because you're traveling around so much and because your life is so extraordinary do you ever feel alone i don't feel alone because i have always people around me and my family my friends um and incredible friends that i have made in my journey from mozun who is a syrian refugee to the people who are working in the fund so i'm always with people i just i don't i hardly stay alone um but i do get your point when you feel that you are not for example when you go to a market and there are people coming around and asking uh, for a picture and asking like to talk to you and you don't really get the opportunity like to focus on your shopping and enjoy that time so yes there are rare occasions when that happens but i just try to stay normal and um i'm i'm happy to meet people and talk to people 
Yeah, I think it's that sense of you can be surrounded by people yes. and still sometimes feel a bit like you are alone or on your own. That's kind of more what I'm so like when I'm, For example, I'm with my friends and I go out. Um, I just feel very normal. I don't think of like the Malala outside and I just feel like a normal Malala who is their school fellow and who is their friend. But when like people come and they ask for pictures, then you just think, oh, like, oh, in like in in front of your friends, you just feel a bit awkward that people are asking you for pictures or want to meet you. And because you just sometimes want to focus on enjoying time with your friends and don't want to remind yourself of the fame and everything else outside. And when the book came out, um, you said that you were not struggling at school, but you you sort of weren't sure where you fitted in at yeah. school. I think that's how you phrased it. Do you feel now that you've sort of found your place or do you think people are still like, that's Malala, you know, this is this amazing woman? In the beginning, it was hard because maybe some of the girls were scared that should they talk to Malala, should they not? And even if they want to talk to Malala, how should they talk? And what kind of person she is and um, because they have already this image of this person through media, through what they hear in, from their friends and family. And and I think it was challenging from, for me as well to be frank and to be friendly with them and to talk to them. And it was challenging for them as well. So on both sides, it was a bit of un, 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 uh, they were feeling uncomfortable. But um, as time went on and I have met very good friends right now and we go out, we have fun. Like after this interview, I'm going out to see my friends, enjoy time. Yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, we are just gathering in one of my friend's house and we would be gossiping, talking, having some nice food. Yeah. Do you worry that at university you'll sort of be going back to square one because, you know, people at whatever university it is will be like, it's Malala, like, she's she's won the Nobel Peace Prize. I think having that experience in school has helped me to how to tackle that and just talking to them, making sure you meet them. When they invite you to something, you go there, you invite them as well. It's about engaging, meeting, talking. That's what makes it easier and much better to develop that friendship and to have that closer relationships. And uh, that is how then they know you as a person, um, is the Norman Malala. And so say, I mean, but do you worry that people might think she's too important to invite places, you know, because you are, you are in some respects a celebrity, just in the sense that you're very well known. And I think, truthfully, if you'd come to my university, I would have been too scared to have asked you to go for dinner or to come to a, an event. I would have come to you and I would have talked to you. And once you see me, I think you haven't seen me in school and universities. I am, I'm very shy. I am very normal and I'm short as well. And <laughs> when people just look at me, they realize that I'm normal. Yeah. It's just the first instance. And I think um, I talk in a normal way and um, stay humble, stay as myself. And I think that's important. You stay as yourself and people then recognize but I think it's experience and I'm just excited to know what university life would be like mm -hmm. even though I'm just preparing my mind yeah I would be doing this I would be doing that but I can't really tell now because I haven't experienced it and I haven't entered that life in the first month or two I'll realize what university life is like I just wondered as well do you ever feel that there's 
pressure on you? Because obviously you became a, an activist at a very young age and you're so young to already have a book and a documentary about you. <laughs> you know, a lot of people that happens to them much later on in life. Um, do you feel that there is this sort of expectation that you will continue to be an activist and a, and a voice for change and that you'll continue to do amazing things? I think when people are following your story and especially releasing a book at this age and then uh, the film and doing continuously like doing the activism, going to Nigeria, Kenya and Lebanon and Jordan, uh, people will follow your story and they would be expecting you. But I think to me what's more important is what I expect from myself. I feel more answerable to myself, to my own conscience than uh, anyone else. And I have promised myself and like the the God you believe in that you will continue to work for girls education, you will continue to work for people and to raise your voice. Because when when I survived from that attack and when I woke up in the hospital, my mind was very, very clear that this life is for a cause. And this is a second life and it is given to me for something greater than what I was before. And since then, I have decided that it will purely be spent on this course for education. And it would be challenging. People would be expecting more from you or expecting less from you. That is something else. But I expect a lot from myself. And I want myself to go forward and to continue this and do even more and more. And that is, again, something that comes across in your book. You put a lot of pressure on yourself, you know, particularly to do really well at school. Yeah. And um, I think I was speaking to someone from the Malala Fund, I think it was Taylor, yeah. and she was saying how worried you were about university oh, and oh. saying that you don't need to because, you know, anyone would, would be so lucky to have you. But, I mean, you do. You put a tremendous amount of pressure on yourself. And I just wondered how have you managed to sort of deal with that, the fact that you expect yourself to do so well academically, but then you have all these other commitments. So uh, the fun team is great and incredible, and they make sure that my my timetable is managed well, and I get my school time, uh, but also the I, I need to do the work, I need to speak out for education. So I try to make sure that nothing conflicts my school. So anything that comes during school time has to be refused, except a few things like the Nobel Peace Prize ceremony <laughs> or the UN, um, except a few occasions. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I, I just stay focused on my school. I go go to school, study completely normal. Like I don't get any special attention. If I have to stand in a queue, I will stand in a queue for my lunch. I will be with friends. I... I have to get like appointments for my teachers to speak to them. It's you just are completely normal as other students are, and then that school life. Come home, do your homework, be with your friends, and then some additional work that you have to do, whether it's campaigning or having Malala fun like conversations and phone calls and maybe interviews like this one, um, and then do that work. And it's usually in holidays or when I'm like off school that I do my campaigning. And um, obviously the people of Birmingham have been very welcoming to you, but in your book you talk about the fact that you, you know, we say what a lot of refugees and displaced people say, which is, you know, we always want to go back home. I mean, do you still feel that way? Do you still hope to, to go back to Pakistan? It is my dream to go back to Pakistan and, um, and live there and work there, but maybe that 
will happen after university, but at least to see my homeland again, like as soon as possible, because I haven't seen any of my friends or my relatives for more than four years now. And it's really hard. It's really difficult, especially in the beginning. Uh, it just felt so awkward and so um, unfamiliar, like you are living in a completely different place. And, and it's different if you choose if you choose to move and if you if it's your own decision to go to another country that's different but if it's circumstances that force you to go into another country then that's completely different because you aren't here on your own choice and that's what different in my case that my family we all had to just move suddenly for my father treatment and it hasn't been easy to go back even though i have tried a lot of times to go back and find the right time but haven't found yet are you frightened about going back about because I think the, the Taliban still have a, a threat out against you. I think I'm not frightened, but when I go back to Pakistan, I want to make sure that the people of Pakistan stand with me and that the government or whatever institutions are there, that they stand with me in the campaign for education and they recognize me of, for what I stand for and they recognize my cause. And I think that's more important to me, but also finding the right time. Because, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, Benazir Bhutto was one of your heroes and you talk about having some of her scarves and obviously she famously went back to Pakistan and it was awful what happened. I mean, so it strikes me that, I mean, the thought of you going back to Pakistan is is frightening, even for me. And I just, I wonder if you actually think, you know, do you ever think about the reality of of going back? Uh, I'm not worried about my safety when I go back to Pakistan. I'm not worried about that. But my main concern is making sure that when I go back to Pakistan that we do something for the cause of education and we make sure that the government and our institution realize that they need to invest more in education. They need to make it their top priority. And I will campaign for that when I go there. So I need to have that that environment and things set up to make sure that when I go there, there's recognition of this basic human right of every girl, that they need to be in school, that our leaders, our politicians, and they need to recognize it. So it's a bit of planning and finding the right time. Okay, so that was me and Malala. I would love to know your thoughts about the interview and about the article. So do please tweet us and and let us know what you thought of this episode. Just a reminder to our listeners that you can catch us every week on SoundCloud, iTunes and Acast. Please do subscribe to us if you haven't already and do please rate us. We would be so grateful. If you can't wait till next week, you can visit us at newsweek.com and don't forget to pick up a copy of Newsweek. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.